Innovation Rockstars. Innovation Rockstars. In this episode, we are pleased to welcome Maria Malader, Global Head of Innovation at PayPal. Hi, and welcome back to Innovation Rockstars. My name is Chris Milroth, and in this episode, I am thrilled to welcome Maria Mileda, Global Head of Innovation at PayPal. Maria focuses on building and scaling innovation and thereby enabling each employee at PayPal to make a difference. She also owns both PayPal's global innovation strategy and its execution. And among many other things, she oversees the Global Innovation Ambassador Network, spread across more than, I guess, 11 locations. So I'm really excited to have you on the show, Maria. Thanks much for joining Innovation Rockstars. Thanks so much, Chris. I'm really excited about our conversation. All right. So let's kick things off with a 60 seconds introduction sprint. And the sprint is all about you, your career and your current role at PayPal. So I have my digital stopwatch here. So for the next 60 seconds, the stage is all yours. Let's go. No pressure whatsoever. I'll give it a try, of course. Um, so academically speaking, my background is in sociology and economics, which I think gives me a really, really broad uh, basis to do whatever I want. And this is exactly what I did. I joined PayPal 12 and a half years ago, very much focusing on the world of compliance from every possible angle. You can think about thinking that this is my career and my path in the future. Little did I know when I entered the technology leadership program, a two year rotational program at PayPal that uh, It, it wasn't. And what I had found for myself uh, was the world of innovation. And I've never looked back since. And like you said, Chris, what I do in my day to day is lead the global program, try and give um, people the skills of the of innovation so they can be the innovators that they truly are in their day to day, which is enjoyable. It's super complex problem. And I'm loving it. You're loving it. Great statement. Okay, thank you. Now, as a next thing, uh, here are three sentence starters for you. And I would like you to complete them. So let's start with number one. Uh, I recently moved to San Jose because... Because personally, I was seeking a challenge because professionally, that was the challenge on offer. Um, and Silicon Valley is the hub of innovation, not the only one anymore, but still. Um, and coming from Ireland, the sun was a big perk. It definitely was. Okay, number two. A fun week for me means... A fun work a week for me in work means hustle, bustle, a big challenge on the horizon that I don't know anything about yet. Uh, so I love spontaneous things um, mixed with some comfort and comfort for me in work means working with my trusted colleagues and um, network, thinking about something new, figuring something out that we uh, want to solve. That is my comfort zone. and maybe even achieving some goals at the end. That truly is a fun week for me at PayPal, believe it or not. Got it. Well, at least to me, that sounds fun. Great. And finally, <laughs> number three, in my personal opinion, the next disruption will be? The next disruption will be when we finally start realizing when we reach the curve of you know no return. So hopefully that 
that won't happen to PayPal, but I feel there's still a lot to learn uh, in that journey of innovation. When do we truly have to um, think about disrupting ourselves? How do we disrupt ourselves all the time? This is an ongoing thing. It's not a new thing, but I still feel that we, a lot of us have to come around uh, to that thought. Um, and uh, in terms of technology, you know, I know we talk a lot about blockchain. I think there's a lot more that we need to dig into this from environmental perspectives and, and, and whatnot. I still think that can be a disruptor of the future, but in different ways than we're imagining it today. Very different ways, actually. Great insights. And I love the statement, disrupting ourselves or disrupt yourself. Thanks for that. And Maria, you, you started off at PayPal, um, as I learned, as a compliance analyst back in 2009. And today... Um, a mere 12 years later, you now represent PayPal at, as its uh, global head of innovation. So, first of all, congratulations. Now, how to go from being a compliance analyst, which requires different skills, different mindsets, to leading the innovation program of PayPal? I mean, you know, per personally, I do not believe in, in, you know, linear career paths and that stuff. But I'm just curious, what, what is your story? First of all, thank you so much. Uh, very kind of you to, to note and also to ask because I am so with you on the linear path that, you know, we always want to have a linear path. Uh, it, it makes a lot more sense. You can plan your future around that. But that's just not how life works. At least in my case, that's not how it worked out. And I'm glad for it. But I think upon reflection and thinking about my own journey, what I realized is really two things that are always ring true whatever I have done and I'm sure whatever I will do. The first one is I never cannot ask questions. Even in our brief before, you know, there's always a million and one things in my head that I just would love to ask. Uh, and it's not for the sake of asking, not for to be obnoxious, not to um, know every intrinsic detail. The detail always comes later for me is I'm painting a picture in my head as to what, you know, what that topic is all about, what it means truly. And I want to get the context. So for me, that curiosity and the asking questions is a recurring theme, because for me, this is where I truly find the different angles in a conversation. I don't want to come jump to some conclusions. And what I also don't want to miss out is that personal element, the person I'm speaking to, where they're coming from, what it means when they're presenting that topic. So it's kind of like a, like empathy and how it complements my curiosity. And I think the second one is, and, and no pity please, because it's not required, is the never quite feeling like you fit in. Um, I think I had that all my life. And when I, when I thought about it, I very much um, know now that what it means is I always strive, strive to be better, strive to do better. Um, I want to know more things. And with that, you just continuously challenge, challenge yourself. Uh, you know, it's not always a, a fun place to be. And I think a lot of us have been in the same position, especially when it kind of happens all the time. But I've learned to translate that uh, into this is good. You're onto something, Maria, you know, persevere and keep on going with it. Um, so this is kind of where it led me to trusting myself asking more questions, get to, get further um, ahead. And that's also where that feeling came from. However, for everyone who feels like they can't put up with always feeling uncomfortable, I've learned to also create my comfort space in the change. So to me, visually speaking, what that means is, you know, if you have a lot of plates that are moving, 
I kind of find my place where the, the plates overlap. This is where I feel comfortable. Um, and this is where I can hang out when I have to retrieve from all the, you know, all those vulnerable feelings that I would have. So I think this is always where it came from. And ultimately I learned how to translate the skills that I have into the spaces that I'm in, in, in the departments that I've worked in, in the roles that I've, um, that I've learned about in the roles that I've had myself. I don't see myself as an innovation manager or anything like that. I see myself as the collection of skills. And this is how I would always ask everyone else to think about it as well. Because Im imagine how many roles you truly fit into if you just see yourself as a collection of the skills as opposed true. to yes. a collection of tasks that you've done. Yes, to to totally true. And, you know, we do live in nonlinear times. So I think this is a really healthy uh, mindset to be in, right? And, and following up on that, you know, what does a... Is there a typical career in the innovation space anyhow? What, what would you say? To me, personally speaking, I don't think so. And I think that makes it a lot more interesting for me. Um, yes, of course, you're Of course, you can strive to have a, um, a career in innovation. If you study innovation management, of course, this is where you want to go to. But I think it does limit you in the spaces that are out there. I get that all the time. Why don't you have more spaces on your team? Why is there not more of you across the company? Believe me, you know, that would be lovely, but that's also not how people operate. And I think a lot of other companies neither. So to me, it is very much... Um, the journey of understanding what kind of skills you bring to the table and knowing that you can be an innovator even if even if you don't have an innovation title if that makes sense i know of a lot of people in in paypal and external i would consider them as innovators and they're highly regarded as that but they might be a product manager or an engineer or whatever their actual title is because that's also where a passion of theirs lie because they innovate on a daily basis, so to speak, and they're entrepreneurs or intrapreneurs or whatever, um, and just demonstrate those skills. So I know that doesn't sound as exciting maybe, but what it actually allows you to do is like a lot of my colleagues, if they have two passions, they're passionate about innovation and also uh, passionate about social justice or whatever the case may be, they can combine those two and be known for both. Got it. Yeah. And then, then you know, frankly speaking, I guess, You know, um, th there is absolutely an argument for saying just because you do not have innovation in your title, you, you're still, you're still, of course, innovating. You're maybe developing great products, you're strategizing, you're doing whatever uh, tactical stuff, um, but um, it's innovative, it's new, it's something that was maybe not seen before. So, you know, it's, don't go for the title bashing if you want to work in innovation, right? <laughs> Well, this is it. But I know that the world is a very title driven world. I understand that. Um, yeah. I realize that it is easier to categorize. It's easier to screen from an HR perspective. But uh, that's truly not the world we're going to live in uh, going forward. I mean, the Instagrams of the world, you, you can create your own personal brand. And that often doesn't have anything to do with your job title at all. So to me, it's always like looking behind the curtains and, uh, you know, forming your own opinion of that person as well, if you can doesn't streamline your HR process, but it doesn't make, it make, does make it a lot more interesting. I can tell you that. Yeah. And it makes lots of sense, right? So let, let's now turn to, to PayPal. So I guess, you know, uh, in, in December, 1998, PayPal was originally established by Peter Thiel, Luke Nosek and Max 
a left chain formerly known as Confinity. And then somewhere in 2000, Confinity merged with X.com, who was an online financial services company founded by Elon Musk. And soon after, the merger was then renamed to PayPal in, I guess, 2001, and then went public in 2002. And really, from day one onwards, PayPal was designed to be a disruptor. And now it's well established for years. But of course, technological advancements are progressing, uh, progressing rapidly. I mean, just think of no-touch payments, all the fintechs, but also cryptocurrencies, given, you know, Bitcoin, the Lightning Network, Ripple Labs, XRP, or XCC, XLM, but also Stripe and Coinbase and things we heard from Twitter and so on and so on. So, uh, you know, Maria, my question to you is how to keep up with the accelerating pace of technological progress? You know, it's funny. I literally went on LinkedIn yesterday and a colleague of mine um, in my network, she posted something to that extent and it so resonated with me and basically said, it's just so much going on. Like the pace is incredible. It nearly like it overruns you. You feel like you're railroaded every single time. And I think what matters here is trying to figure out how to reduce the noise in the industry and take what's valuable to you. And yes, that is subjective. Yes, that can only be one thing after the other, maybe some parallel streams. But I think it's so important to to be clear in your head on what's going on. You just cannot be everywhere at any given time. You basically uh, disarm yourself if you keep doing that. So what I do, I think if you're passionate and motivated um, about something, you'll always um, you know, start hyper-focusing anyway, like your brain, you know, this, this great example, if someone tells you, oh, I haven't seen a red car in ages, the next thing that happens is you see three, four, five, um, just because your brain then hones in on it. So I think allowing yourself to to do that, going down certain rabbit holes and not all of them, um, that is a one way that I go about it. So I trust my own alarm system, if that makes sense. But what I do um, do a lot as well, and I make it a point of my day to day, is talk to my colleagues. What are they thinking about? What are they worried about? Um, you know, where do they feel there's something going on? Because especially if you talk to colleagues from different departments, they're all linked in with their own industry. And eventually you see a consensus. It's like customer research, I guess. Eventually you see like certain themes coming back all the time. And maybe the third one I'd say is be careful with people just bringing back the news of the day or bringing back something they just read one on one. You want to have people who have reflected on something a bit more than just reading and sharing, if that makes sense, even though that's also an element, of course, to consider. It is for sure. And uh, so cutting the noise, distilling the signals, and I guess, yeah, highly subjective and a challenging task uh, to do. Um, for the technological process, is it is it the same? So th that's technology push, right? But is it the same for market pull for you know ever changing consumer needs, or would you say it, it's different there? Yes and no. I think with customers, um, I feel because as humans we're so such complex people, there's just different ways of how we have to hone in on what we're hearing from customers. So I always say. Um, you know, first of all, we need to talk to our own customers on an ongoing basis. So establish uh, a quick rapport with this 
with different kinds of customer bases. So a product manager can kind of always be on a straight and arrow. You know, you do maybe a big customer research piece at the very beginning of thinking about a product creation, but then it's more about tapping in throughout that journey to stay on top. Um, and again, here the, yeah, the, 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 removing the noise and distilling is important, but you, you can't assume that what was true a year ago is, still holds true. So definitely consult with your ongoing um, customer base. Another one though, I think um, that we need to consider always is what are the non-customers thinking? Why aren't they using your service or your product? You know, what are they thinking about? Why? I mean, most of the time they prefer a competitor. Why is that? Um, but hear it from them, not just analyze the competitor um, and then see if there's anything else about that. And then my favorite one, which by far is the hardest, of course, but that's why we're in innovation, um, is to observe customer needs that, you know, a need that a customer has, but doesn't even realize that they have it. So, for example, um, we had a great author in uh, Ben Ben Sao um, who wrote Build to Innovate. And I love this example. It resonates a lot with me as a tea drinker. Um, Philips went out, the electronics company, to figure out uh, how people used their products, one of which was a water kettle, um, uh, so a water heater. And um, they realized that the customers in England, because the line scale rate was so high, had all these white bits floating in their tea, which they didn't like. So they all started filtering the water as they poured it out. Philips realized that that was something that everyone did and not a single customer complained about it. They just substituted because we do that as humans, we just substitute a lot without realizing, you know, um, figure things out to make our lives easier. They added a filter and never looked back and their, you know, their um, numbers soared no end. And this is, this is where it gets interesting. No one needed an iPhone until we had an iPhone and now we can't live without, for example. So that's definitely a growth hack. And I mean, I, I know this as, you know, trying to understand and also fulfill unmet customer needs. However, of course, oftentimes these unmet customer needs are also unknown, as you say, by the customers themselves or by the consumers themselves. Um, but certainly if you kind of excel in that I'm pretty sure this is a very, very powerful thing to do and to fuel charge growth and new products and uh, product development in general. Um, so that's that's great. And now before we, we look at how PayPal understands and embraces innovation on a global scale, let's let, let's play a quick game, which is called Either Or. So that is a game of choice, Maria. And I will give you two options. You choose one and then spend one sentence each to briefly explain your choice. All right, let, let's try that. So number one, um, would you either stop working in innovation or stop working at PayPal and why? You went right there, did you? Oh my God. Do you know, for me, it's innovation all the way. But like I said, there's a lot of options that you can be an innovator in different roles. And I know that there is a place for me in PayPal always. So now I gave you a both and that wasn't allowed, I'm sure, but it, it has to be innovation for me for sure, so I can share my skill set. Um, but that does not exclude PayPal. Yeah, it was a hint, hint. So that, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. So number two, would you either get a free ticket for the Wacken Open Air or Tomorrowland Festival? Or Tomorrowland, all the way. Ah, okay. That that was fast. Okay. And I, I got another one. Uh, the third one is, would you either um, want to be able to see into the future 
or go back in time and change one thing? Future. Definitely future. I've learned from watching films when you change something in the past, you do not know what's happening when you go back to the present. And I do not regret what I've done. You know, there's a lot of learnings, but I do not regret what has happened. And uh, I'd rather know um, maybe what's in the future to a certain degree, not to a great degree. Okay, interesting. Um, great choices. Okay, now let, let's talk innovation at PayPal, especially on a on a global scale. So, you know, um, we know innovation is a serious business and not just some PR stunt, right? So you do, you do not invest a significant amount of both human and financial capital in innovation just for fun, right? It has to have a significant impact on the business. So uh, let, let's start first things first. So how does PayPal understand innovation actually? Yeah, I mean, uh, as as a lot of people know, and, and I do share very openly, is PayPal does not have an R&D center. We don't have a centralized innovation function. We see innovation uh, as a decentralized, distributed um, installation, so to speak. So it's everyone's responsibility to uh, make sure that we live the value of innovation. But the way we see it um, beyond that is um, we look at it from the three horizon perspective, horizon one, two, and three. So the horizon one is the innovation that happens in your day to day. So, you know, what goes around, you know, what makes people take using that innovation skill set we try to give them. Horizon two is everything beyond three years. So what does the future hold in three years? That's when the skill of maybe looking at the future would be very helpful. Um, and then horizon uh, three is um, five, 10 years, um, if not even further, but let's say with five to 10 years, that's more realistic. Um, when it comes to measuring and understanding the impact, horizon one is very difficult. Um, we can't really measure how much effort goes into what our um, uh, colleagues are doing on a day-to-day -day basis, how much time they're spending on it. And we don't want to go there either. And I know this is your daily bread and butter. Um, and, you know, it's very hard, of course, and that's why we need uh, support from each other. And uh, Horizon 3, though, what it allows you is it really tr allows you to stage something, like create a staged environment with people, with resources, um, you know, research, whatever you may need. So that's where you can put uh, your money against, so to speak, if you want your investments. Uh, then you create your milestones against the most critical achievements uh, you want to have. And if you don't reach those milestones, you basically write off the investment, meaning that you do not try to fall into the sunk cost fallacy, whereby you say, I've had the idea, I've invested a lot of time and effort and money maybe at that stage, I'll stick with it just because. Of course, you have to find a sweet spot between persevering and giving up and just leaving the idea be. But we need to be open to cut your costs at this point and just say, okay, this idea is not working. Let's move on. No hard feelings. This is a failure that we learn from. So this is how we approach this and this is how we want to think about it. Interesting. Okay, great choices. So, okay, now let's talk about innovation at PayPal on a global scale. So, as you know, as I know, innovation is a serious business and not just some PR stunt, right? So you do not invest a significant amount of a human and also financial capital in innovation just for fun, right? It has to have a significant impact 
on the business. But uh, let's do first things first. So how does PayPal understand innovation, actually? So for PayPal, um, first of all, PayPal does not have a, um, a centralized R&D structure. That's just not how we um, operate. We have a decentralized uh, model where every, it's everyone's business to um, chip in, be innovative and, um, you know, improve on day to day um, and our future outlook. But the way we see it is uh, from the horizon levels um, point of view. So horizon one, two, and three. So horizon one bit and be the innovation that happens on a daily basis in people's roles and jobs. Um, and it's kind of like an ongoing usage of the toolkit that they have. Horizon two is one to three years in and around. And uh, so more forward looking, but still quite immediate. And horizon three is definitely three years and beyond. I would usually say five to 10 years if we try and motivate um, our employees. And that is a hard feat. You don't really know where that's going, but um, what it allows you at horizon three is you can stage this entire environment. You can make assumptions that might ring true in the future or not. Uh, you can you can understand uh, resourcing needs, um, headcount that you might need. So you can understand potentially what the investment could be. And with that, you then set milestones against your critical assumptions, and then you see if you hit them or not. And then you understand whether you write off your investment very consciously. It has to be a conscious effort, not a side by side, like an on the side thing. And we want to do that because we don't want to be at the risk of falling into sunk cost fallacy. That's something that we're really aware of because, you know, we hear this too much everywhere. Like I've had to say to you, I've started this project, I need to finish it because we've already put too much money against it. And this is exactly what we shouldn't be doing, especially as we're really trying to um, think along different lines. And um, because everywhere else you can't really measure as much um, our involvement of employees in, in how they bring it in their day to day, very hard to measure, um, horizon two slightly better, but the attitude should still be the same. Fail fast to learn um, should be um, the, the motivation and the motto, not the money that we've put in. So this is really something that we're consciously um, trying to drive home. But as humans, we always want to go there. So it's really hard. Um, but that's where we're coming from in PayPal. So interesting. So, so sunk cost fallacy certainly is somewhat at the, at the at the center. Now, uh, can we just have a glimpse into the toolbox of PayPal of innovation at PayPal? So, uh, specifically when we look into Horizon Two, Horizon Three, what what are you what are you typically working with? Do do you work with, for example? creating scenarios and kind of projecting some, I don't know, change drivers into the future. Is it that, or is it more that you basically are on a fail fast, fail early, fail hard um, mindset, applying the metered funding to the projects and initiatives? How, how do you typically do that? So first of all, innovation is part of our cultural values um, uh, alongside inclusion, wellness and collaboration. So for us, it's definitely uh, a cultural transformation first and foremost to then even get to all of the things you just mentioned. And the way we try to do this is, uh, you know, like create a repetitive habit 
for like a habit for um, people. Um, and the way we do it is through um, celebrating rituals together. So that could be, you know, first of all, we want to get them into the space. So we want to entice them for innovation and what that might mean to them by way of, you know, competitions, hackathons. Um, we do an ongoing author series, speaker series, just to see how in, you can play with innovation, give them different topics they might be more interested in. So it doesn't always have to be hardcore technology and the likes. Um, and then we get into space where we want to uh, allow them to learn and practice the skills of innovation by way of using our own platforms and programs that we build in-house. Um, so they have a safe space to fail fast to learn, a safe space to build out their network, a safe space to uh, enhance their skills that they already have or try a completely different one. We want them to be someone else, um, you know, go different places kind of predict the future for themselves from that perspective so they see what they're capable of and really push the boat out um, and challenge themselves and get comfortable with the change. So this is also kind of part of that, that schooling and that learning. And then the as we um, want them to enhance their toolkit, there's multiple options. You can champion the skills. So you can become somewhat like myself, like an extension of my team, for example, champion it as an innovation ambassador brings completely different challenges. You can be an individual uh, contributor to create research um, centers, like smaller hubs um, for blockchain, like we used to do that. We had a little uh, blockchain research uh, team of actual headcount, but also loads of volunteers um, helping out um, and just really try and play with the different things. And then we also have a patent program intellectual property program, whereby we really want people then to start thinking about the five to 10 years. Where can that technology get you? This is definitely more advanced after you've kind of gone through all the other steps. Um, everyone's welcome. Um, and, you know, we get some really, really great ideas. And, the, you know, what you can patent is incredible. Um, and things that you never think come true, but that's what we thought about uh, splitting screens and whatever else uh, with the latest Samsung. We never thought we could make it happen five years ago. Um, and then the final thing that I would say that we also do is we, we really put an emphasis on rewarding the people that do the, these things. It's so important. We have a few uh, in-house built um, reward uh, tokens um, to share our appreciation, but also give them a, a little bit back. It's just that's what makes the world go round. A good old thank you, um, and uh, you know the handshake, the virtual handshake that we can't give right now. So this is all baked in for them to dabble in uh, doing something different. Uh, great for the glimpse into the toolbox, and I do have so many follow-up questions, <laughs> but j just a couple one, uh, uh, ones specifically on the people side, on the human side of all this. So you said, okay, you know, connecting with them, engaging with them, and also rewarding, obviously, work and creativity, but. The first step, how do you actually identify these individuals? How do you, you know, speak to them? How do you find them? For example, the experts for blockchain, how, how to find them within the, I think it's about 30,000 employees globally. How do you do that? Do you know what? It's, I think it's finding a lot within themselves. So first of all, I think what I do every day all day is I'm a broken record on our vision and mission. 
it first of all, you need to understand what is the journey that we're on as a company um, and what uh, what does it have to offer for them as well. Of course, we all want to be better, do better for PayPal, but uh, that doesn't directly always resonate with people because it's like, I get what you're saying, but where's my part in this? And this is where we come very much to the what the program that I run is doing a lot is finding entry ways and uh, pathways into that innovation community for each and every employee. So we're definitely targeting a lot of, you know, whether it's um, fo- folks coming in anew or it's to different types of topics that might uh, grasp their interest or attention um, or uh, yet formats that, you know, a lot of people are very competitive, so are competitive um, you know, hackathons and tournaments or whatever always resonate with people. And, uh, it's trying to tickle that topic that they're most interested in, uh, and the, the skills they most want to develop out of them. So this is what I spent a lot of time on because doing is the truly hard part. Here, we hear a lot and we believe in a lot. And, you know, a lot of stuff resonates with us. But if you don't get a recipe of, as in how can I actually do it? Like a lot of people might think, this is super interesting. Blockchain is super interesting. Where's my place in this? Or maybe I don't even have a place because I'm not an engineer. And that makes me sad because that shouldn't be the case, but understand where it comes from. So this is where I spent a lot of time on is how to enable people to do things through, you know, creating different ways that might resonate with them because we're all different, all of us. So I guess, uh, thanks. This is a great lesson in, in, in leadership. I mean, I think you basically need this, right, uh, to, to run such a global program. And I think in, in, in that sense, you, in, in 2019, PayPal introduced uh, what's called a global innovation tournament, right? A, a concept to, again, foster and enhance innovation on a global scale, as you said, for everybody. And I learned it also has a CEO support, right? So can, can you talk about that? What, what is that tournament and how does it, how does it work? Oh, I'm happy to. Uh, the tournament has become a staple in the company uh, for innovation and for the employees in general. And yes, Dan has been great. Uh, he has a little picture of uh, the finale on his desk. Uh, we love to see it when we talk to him. And um, the point for us is that the tournament is much bigger than just a nice competition. It is for us a one-stop shop of how we see um, innovation at PayPal. It is bringing people on a journey from a little idea that they had two-liner tweet size to a fully fleshed business plan that they can actually pitch to investors who are our senior leadership team uh, to try and see if they will pick them to get that built out, that idea. And we want to the journey entails um, a learning program. The journey entails, uh, you know, do a practice, practicing all of these skills in a safe environment. And, um, you know, it really brings them to new heights. First of all, it makes them believe in what they're doing themselves, that it's valuable. Um, it's also a whole lot of fun, of course, um, but it also enables them to think bigger. It's literally from a small, narrow world to opening up the entire world and how to distill that information that we talked about earlier, all the input, all the feedback and staying strong and creating that mission and vision for that business that they want to create or the product they want to build or whatever they're doing. Um, and this is the tournament and it's five months long and it's uh, three to five stages, depending on how we set it up that year. And, uh, you know, business plan creation, 
prototyping, pitching to sponsors to be, uh, you know, uh, graded higher than everybody else, and then making it to the final to um, to pitch it in front of your uh, investors, basically. Okay, so I, I think you deliberately choose the word tournament, so it has some competitive component in it, right? And and every journey, yeah, every journey has a start somewhere. So c can you walk us through the journey of introducing the tournament to PayPal, as specifically the first year? I I, I assume was uh, quite um, yeah interesting, wasn't it? It was very interesting. I think so. First of all, when we thought about this, the term, the word tournament, actually, you know, it felt, feels a bit like the Olympics. Yes, it's great to be part of it, and we all acknowledge it's great, but you also want to win. It still has that uh, competitive element in there, exactly like you said, and we know that speaks to people. I think the other thing that we all we knew in 2019, we weren't in the situation we're in today, but it still rings true. Is that we love being together to create something else, to, you know, have a shared purpose and coming together for that purpose. So we knew that, uh, that there's a good chance of people, uh, that resonating with people. Um, and so we went out to, we pitched our hearts out. Once we understood the why, that one-stop shop, and once we understood the how, what kind of phases, you know, who is judging when and doing this and that, um, not in as much detail as you would uh, assume, but, you know, solid enough to sell the message. And then we went out with the message and what we realized, it's a really easy one to, you know, share. People get it. Oh, it's a tournament. Oh, yeah, you got to win something. Oh, yeah, there's a journey towards doing that. It's really easy to explain. You don't want to have something that's overly complicated because people will fall off the bandwagon straight away, not understanding what's going on. So we pitched our hearts out. We plastered the offices with flyers. And last year we did that virtually, believe it or not. That was interesting. And um, we asked all our liaisons who we pitched to, too, in different offices to do the exact same. And in addition, people love to brainstorm. Not everyone may know how to do it, but if someone starts it, people come. And we had people rally all over the company to brainstorm against problem statements put forward. And also there's a bit of a perk meeting the sponsors, meeting our leadership, meeting Dan himself at the end of it. Um, so people just bought in and believe it or not, the 20 volunteers who started this, we, we never even thought about what if it's not going to work out? Because we, we knew that if it doesn't work out, yeah, we, we, you know, we spend a bit of money. We lost a bit of effort doing it. Um, you know, the time that went into it and, um, it'll be mostly disappointing. So, you know, no love lost. So we might as well plow on. And we did and we put it in uh, all our heart and soul into it. And it became this grassroots movement that is still is today. And, you know, we're delighted. Yeah, got it. So you just did it. And, um, I, I think these are truly, you know, in, in impressive and also inspiring cases of how you could lead an organization down the path of, of innovation, right? And and when we look now into the to, toward, towards the future, what is next for innovation at PayPal? So what, what are some of the, let's say, the high priority topics on your radar? I think uh, still the scalability, if anything, we're growing, which is beautiful to see. I think I want to make sure that everyone finds their entryway into innovation, whether they start exploring that journey straight away because there's a lot of offer in, in our company and not everyone might choose innovation that is totally fine 
But as long as they eventually dabble with it and try it out, see it from their colleagues, I think for us, how to scale this program, how to scale up um, our platforms that we've created for employees, and then uh, ultimately the business you're in, how to measure it in a way that is not taking away from the actual cause. We don't want to measure it in the sense that, you know, ROI, etc. We do not feel this is the right thing to do. It's not the right motivator. So how do we do that going forward is going to be one of the biggest challenges um, because mostly we want to give back to our own employees so they feel that they're heard and seen in the right way. And, uh, you know, that that always shows on the, on the outside uh, and that always will make PayPal the, the company that people see it as, um, you know, as reinventing ourselves every once in a while, which is exactly what we should be doing. Yeah, and so, you know, keeping up the engagement uh, certainly is a challenge itself, but um, a great great to hear that. So if I, if I would ask you, what what is kind of the one message you want to send out to the corporate world out there. So not only PayPal, but the entire corporate world out there. What what would be the message? I think I, I repeat this a lot. Uh, innovation, corporates are not the death of innovation. Um, not for as long as we all do. Just do your part in every small step that you can. Be, um, be a role model to others and uh, just show that it can be done. If 20 random volunteers can pull off a tournament that now includes thousands of employees with next to no budget whatsoever, then, you know, everyone else can do their small bit. It doesn't have to always become a movement. That's not the point. But imagine 30,000 people or bigger corporations all doing their bit. But I think it has to be something that we do consciously and that we talk about all the time. Got it. Okay. So that, that was kind of the future looking forward. Now, um, finally, this is, and this is, by the way, my last question already for you today. So when you look back so to, into, into the past, specifically on your professional career at, at, at PayPal so far, what would you say was your greatest innovation rock star moment so far? I think my greatest innovation rock star moment, it must be the tournament when we did it initially that, you know, for me, it changed my career. For me, it changed my outlook. It unlocked me to understand what fail fast to learn um, means because we failed along the way. Now, get me wrong. There were failures within um, and also how to, you know, dream big and start small really resonates and how that really comes through. So I think my ultimate innovation rockstar moment because it unlocked so many things in me, it changed my entire career and the geography that I live in today, uh, it, it must be the innovation rockstar moment, notwithstanding all the amazing things the tournament will do in the future, being even better and bigger. Straight into the Hall of Fame of the Innovation Rockstars. Mm -hmm. Great moment. All right. Congratulations. And Maria, with this, uh, we already wrap up this episode. Um, it was a pleasure talking to you. Th thanks again for the inspiring insights and being a part of this. Thank you so much, Chris, and thanks for having a Hall of Fame for Innovation Rockstars. It's been an honor. You're definitely in there. And to, <laughs> to everybody listening or watching, if you like the show, leave us a rating or a review and share the podcast with uh, friends and colleagues if you wish. And if you want to get in touch, uh, simply shoot us a message at info at innovationrockstars.show. Now that's it. Thanks for your time. See you in the next episode. Take care and bye-bye. Innovation Rockstars. 
That was innovation rockstar Maria Malater on innovation enablement at PayPal. If you want to dive deeper into the topic, or if you'd simply like to give us feedback on this episode, or suggest someone that you think would be a great innovation rockstar, feel free to email us at info at innovationrockstars.show. For more inspiring innovation stories, visit our website at www.innovationrockstars.show or browse through our Innovation Rockstars channel on all major podcast platforms. And while you are here, please leave us a rating for our show. 